Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao ladies and gentlemen welcome to Prestige World, why, 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 why? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chronicles of Santiago and Dunbar. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the world-renowned Sidecast. It's your host, your boy from the Side Room Podcast, Val. And of course, my co-host today, all the way from the stoop, it's your boy, Jay Rance. The stoop, yo. <laughs> I love the intro though. Like I heard the song, I got hype. The the procedural why man, everything was good, bro. I love it. The Santiago and Dunbar, everything, man. It, I love it. Like, yeah, because, like during the little intro, I was sitting here trying to stay quiet. Like, no, don't laugh. You know Well, I'm playing that for my man Demetrius right about now because you know what? Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot of foul play right now in the MMA community, and we're about to set the record straight today because you know what? To us, in our opinion, yes, sir, you're the best. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I agree with you 100%. Pound for pound, best fighter right now in the world. I don't care about the weight class, nothing. He's the best. He he broke the record, so why is he not the best? Like, uh, this dude, um, Dave Meltzer, is talking about that he's not the best. Like, it's just ridiculous. We've known him for saying some bogus stuff in the past, but this right here, this is just bogus. The record proves it. His fights prove it. I don't know. I'm actually upset about this. How do you feel, bro? Well, you know what? I was um, listening to it yesterday, and I heard his review on the fight and how he feels about Demetrius. So technically, he it's like throwing shade without shade in a way. So he was saying that he thinks Demetrius Johnson, pound for pound, is the best technical fighter of all time. But as far as pound for pound, he was going through the lines right about now. He was saying that he would have ranked John Jones as pound for pound the best if he didn't get popped for all his troublesome, troubling PDAs, steroids, cocaine, cocaine, mm-hmm. all of it right there. <laughs> Everything all above. If he didn't get popped for any of that, he would have 
meet him pound for pound. Then he was thinking about Anderson, and he was like, you know, Anderson has fought the best of the best, but then he got popped as well, too. So, it yeah. kind of, in his defense, he's saying that George St. Pierre is still the best pound for pound fighter because he took more credible fights, he took more harder fights, and he bounced back from harder fights compared to Demetrius. How do you feel about that? Okay, I, I, I get what he's saying, you see, but he's kind of contradicting himself, in my opinion, because GSP hasn't fought for a long time. Right. Yes, one of the best welterweights, if not probably the best welterweight, in my opinion. You know, he was in the, the GOAT talk at one point and stuff, but he hasn't fought in a while. Uh-huh. And he says that GSP took more credible fights. Okay, well, you're contradicting yourself, bro, because I don't care what nobody says. This is the argument I stand by. Demetrius Johnson has been knocking him down. They line him up, he knocks him down. Not per se knocking him out, but he's been winning his matches. He's fought everybody that they put in front of him. The only one, it was because of the money controversy, the Dillashaw, the super fight. I get what he's saying, but at the same time, it's not Demetrius's fault because he's taking the fights that he's given. You get what I'm saying? Do you agree with me or no? No, I totally agree with you. The only thing I could say with Dave Meltzer, I could understand in a way, is that I believe George St. Pierre has more credible contenders to his name. When you look at the night lights of Carlos Condit, when you look at the lights of, mm-hmm. of Johnny Hendricks at the time, if you look at the lights of Tiago Alves and even Matt Hughes, you know, these are legends, DJ Penn, these are legends in the sport that he was kind of knocking down, chopping down little by little. Whereas you look at Demetrius, the caliber of fighter, I can understand where people are coming from, that the caliber of fighters are nowhere near a DJ Penn, Matt Hughes, uh, Tiago Alves. But, the consistency of Demetrius is what we're talking about here. That's why we're naming him pound for pound. He's been consistent. He hasn't backed down for any challenge. He is rightfully so taken down the division step by step, number one contender after number one contender. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's my point exactly. Like, I get what you're saying, that GSP has fought a line of incredible fighters. You know, Jake Shield, Carlos Condit, Nick, um, BJ Penn. It, those are incredible fighters, but... I just look at it as I'm a bit biased that if the guy has fought every opponent thrown at him, it's not his fault. You know, that's what they're throwing. Also, I mean, I mean, the weight, I mean, I don't want to get here and say that that class is tainted, but they're giving him the best that they could find. It's just that he's on a whole other level. You get what I'm saying? And it's like his consistency, like you said, I agree with you 100 percent. And he just gets in there and make these fighters look really ridiculous, like they don't belong with him in the cage at all. And you know what? Uh, what grinds my gears is that even if, um, let's say, Demetrius took that Dillashaw fight and beat him, mm-hmm. there's always going to be an argument with that. Oh, Dillashaw wasn't at his best weight. He dropped his pounds to get there. There would have been an excuse no matter what. Regardless of the fact, Demetrius Johnson's always going to get the butt of the joke. He's always going to be someone who the UFC is never going to push 100,000%. He's never going to be the main guy for the UFC. What do you feel that Demetrius has to do to get the spotlight he deserves? Honestly, uh, this this question, it's not hard, but it's I really feel like he doesn't need to do anything to prove himself. That I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you a question about what I heard that he said, but I really don't feel like he needs to do anything to prove himself because he's going in there dominating his opponents. Yeah, maybe a few finishes early would be good, but you know, hey, it fights, you know, they're fought in the ring, in the cage, you can't get in there and predict the outcome of a fight, you know? So maybe if I had to say something, maybe a little bit of early finishes, but I really think he's just doing great. He's doing perfect. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. 
and maybe possibly take that super fight against Dillashaw or Garbrandt or something like that, you know, because that could possibly start cementing his legacy if that's what people want to go based on records and names fought, you know. So now that you asked me that question, how do you feel about what he said? I think it was on TMZ where he said he was literally trying to break Ray Borg's arm. Do you feel like that's a lash out effect of all the BS that he's getting that, you know, he's being overlooked? Do you think that's what it is or a direct result of that? Well, um, there's a lot of frustration when it comes to Demetrius right about now. When I look at that fight, I didn't really see Demetrius angry or upset with the whole fight whatsoever to take his frustrations on Borg. I think maybe at the heat of the moment, he didn't see Borg really trying to give up, especially that last round. It was a, a quintessential almost decision match right there, even though the favor was in Demetrius' favor. You're looking at this as Borg didn't want to tap. He was being relentless, and Demetrius mm-hmm. just tugged a little harder, as hard as he can, just to get that stretch in. So was he going a little too hard on it? Maybe, but this is not a woman's game. This is not the, the pansy game right about now where you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, don't worry. Here's your participation award. Nah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck that. The dude's going to go there. He's going to rent your arm out. If you don't tap, shit's going to get broken. Look at Frank Mia. Look at Noguera. Shit happens all day. Mm. Look at fucking Misha Tate. Misha Tate almost, you know what? Misha Tate is more woman than woman out there right about now. Misha Tate is more woman than men out there. Fuck that. She, with, the, with the arm bars that she's been through in her life. So oh, when yeah. it comes to people getting their shit stretched, you got to be used to it. It's part of the game. No, def- definitely. I agree with you. He was, I feel like he was channeling his inner Polaris, you know, who's <laughs> <my> Polaris. <laughs> you that's know? my dude. <laughs> yeah, that's, you love that dude. He wanted to, to take that boy's arm, you know, and mount it as a trophy in his house. But yeah. speaking about Demetrius and this guy, the comments, is they're, they're just rhetorical because Demetrius, he's great. He needs to keep doing what he's doing and just keep going. And I, I see him, honestly, just being the GOAT right now and retiring as the GOAT. I don't, honestly, I just don't see nobody touching him. I see no competition going his way unless it's like a super fight. It's going to come down to that. I think he's going to definitely retire as champion. I definitely do think the later of his career, the latter of his career, excuse me, is going to be the super fights. It's going to be fights against Dillashaw. It's going to be another rematch against Cruz. I think that should be cementing mm-hmm. his legacy right there, getting that win against Cruz in that Bantamweight division. So I think if he actually gets that notch, gets that, that win, and gets that monkey off his back, then, you know, definitely his, his legacy is already cemented. But that would close his chapter right about now, personally, for him. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. That, that Cruz match would definitely help him because besides the streak that he's on now and doing what he's doing, that was, like, really... His, not his lowest point, but the baddest point I've seen Demetrius because, you know, Cruz lumped him up, tossed yeah. him around, and, he, you know, he made him look bad. But then after that, he bounced up, and he's the Demetrius that, you know, he is right now. And maybe a rematch and get that one would get that monkey off his back. I agree with you on that one. Definitely, definitely. As we see Demetrius close that chapter, we're going to close this chapter right here and move on to another flyweight that's actually making headlines right about now. Ian McCall, Uncle Creepy. Do you remember oh, that, dude? I saw dude? that. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mustache. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Mustache right yeah. about now has um, <laughs> asked for his release and received mm-hmm. his release from the UFC after um, asking the promotion for a $100,000 payout yeah. for his next fight. And they said bye bye 
How do you feel about that? <laughs> you know what? I agree with the UFC. I never see eye to eye with Dana. Dana, I was gonna call him Dana White the Clown because that's what I, <laughs> I feel like he is. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> In this situation, I agree 100% because even when I read the news, I was like, wait a minute, this guy is on some next level-ish right now. Like, how are you asking for this amount of money when you haven't done nothing since they brought you into the Federation? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You just you just been that name because in the other division, you were winning a few fights. And yeah, you look good because I feel like kind of you were like a big fish in a small pond. But once he came to the UFC, he, he he never really got it going. And to say that, I don't know what the guy was smoking or eating, honestly, or popping, because that, that, that's just ridiculous amount, you know, for him to be asking. What do you think? You know, I agree totally with you with that point. I was on the bandwagon with Uncle Creepy, seeing him in the smaller organizations. I loved his gimmick. Mm-hmm. I loved the fact that he was a relentless fighter. But again, big fish, small pound. Once he got to the UFC, he didn't really produce. And he kind of fell in the lines of other fighters that come for these smaller organizations that thought they were big fish, like Sergio Pettis. Sergio Pettis thought he was a big fish in a small pond. And it's not until now where he's actually working the kinks. But when he first came in, man, he was getting his shit rocked left and right. I agree with you there, but I I, I feel like Sergio was more of uh, just getting the flow of it and work your kinks out. So I see a bright future for the dude. So I wouldn't say big fish, small pond. The one that I thought you were going to say and actually go was with Hector Lombard. Look at Hector Lombard. <laughs> Bellator, he's a beast. Big fish, small pond. He comes in the UFC and he gets his shit wrist, basically. Like, so, I, I don't know. That's who I thought you were going to go with. But... No, no, no. I agree with you a thousand percent. Hector Lombard, Jake Shields is another one that comes to mind as well, too. Big fish, small pond. Even though he has mm-hmm. some credible wins with him. I think those wins came out of a fluke, honestly. I mean, he beat a tired Dan Henderson. Uh, and other than that, you know, most <laughs> of his wins are kind of like, eh, I guess you won. But once he got to the UFC, you know, it's just a whole different animal sometimes. Yeah, and how do you feel about the release? Because I know, like you said, you were on his bandwagon. You were a fan of Uncle Creepy. How do you feel about his release? Are you going to miss him? Or do you think he will be missed? Or do you think the organization's good without him? I think the organization's good without him. I think he's better without the organization. I think his gimmick alone is, uh, if you want to throw some wrestling talk, you know how yeah. some gimmicks are are better in smaller promotions than they translate to a bigger promotion like New Japan mm-hmm. or WWE. So same thing with Uncle Creepy, where his little gimmick of his you know mustache mountain kind of man <laughs> right about now belongs maybe in a Bellator, maybe in one of the smaller promotions like Bama or... or Anything else that's um, out there right about now. They're very <laughs> slim pickings right now when it comes to indie MMA promotions. But I do think uh, if given the chance, Bellator would sweep him up and he'd be a fun addition to that um, organization. Yeah, I think I think he would fit in perfect, you know, because that's where all, I don't want to say the, the low-tier fighters are going, but, you know, Bellator has that WCW effect going in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to reference it, but I could definitely see him in there. Fun, you know, because you remember at one point Bellator had um, what was his name? Uh, Ricketts the caveman coming out with the dinosaur <laughs> in the club. That was your dude, bro. <laughs> that was that was. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> it is the land of gimmicks. I give you it that is, one. It is so you know maybe he could have used the uh, 
come out with a little fedora, something, you know, to spice it up again and get eyes on him again, you know? Because right now, I feel like nobody is just looking at him and nobody wants to look in his direction, honestly. No, definitely. Definitely. 1,000% agree with you when it comes to that right about now. He'll have more eyes. He'll Actually, he'll bring some people who are big fans of that kind of gimmick-style fighting to Bellator. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. um, when we look at Bellator, I don't like to say it's a gimmick, but that's what they're producing these days. But... Um, enough about gimmicks. We're going to try to get into something a little bit more serious right about now. Mm-hmm. Let and, me have it. And I want to get into this. We, we talked about this with the last review we had for UFC pay-per-view, but I want to get into this with the George St. Pierre, uh, Michael Bisping feud that's mm-hmm. going on right about now. How are you feeling with this? How, how do you feel this is developing from day one till now? Actually, I feel like it's developing pretty good in my eyes because I look at it in the sense of, this is this is possibly one of the best welterweights, like I said before earlier. Coming back, you know, to try to dethrone the champ, which is Michael Bisping, you know. In a way, I feel like Bisping feels, and I know that he feels like, hey, I'm being overlooked. I'm your champion, you know. Why does this guy come back, immediate rematch? So, you know, it's a little bit of frustration on his part because he's looking at it as like, hey, I'm your champ. Why is he getting, like, you know, the bigger end of the promotion? And he's just not going to come in here out of nowhere. I don't know how many years he's fought, per se, hasn't fought, excuse me, and then just come back, get the strap. So I feel like it's a little bit of anger and frustration on Bisping's part. What do you think? You know, it, it's funny because I love Bisping, and I never was the biggest GSP fan. But I do like the build. I, I mean, I was sensing this build from last year. There was rumblings mm-hmm. of talk for GSP coming back, and I was mm-hmm. hoping – that wasn't going to be the Connor fight because, to be honest with you, I kind of know what that Connor fight would be if I saw GSP fight him. It would mm-hmm. be takedown central. Yeah. Whereas you see this fight, it's more interesting. You have the heavier fighter, you have the more aggressive fighter, you have the fighter who's a little bit more savvy in all his game. And he's actually at the pinnacle of his career, Michael Bisting, right now. So at every facet, he's doing a great job as a champion. Even as an ambassador of his division, he's doing a great job. Um, do I agree with his comments of calling um, George St. Pierre a little bit of a bitch for relinquishing his title after his last fight with Johnny Hendricks? Not really, because at the end of the day, this is a game where, yes, your, your head's rattled. If you're not in the game, you shouldn't belong in there. And at that time, you know what? We were giving a lot of criticism to George, but those last three fights he had, he was actually taking some lumps. He took some lumps from Johnny. He took mm-hmm. some lumps from Carl's Condit. So when you look at George's career, you know, he, he thought about himself. He said, you know what? I put my legacy aside. I'm getting lumped up way too much just to please some people, just to shut down my, my doubters. And I'm not benefiting from this whatsoever. So, yeah, he took his time off to recuperate. Um, do I like the bill? Do I think this is going to be a great match? I, you know what? In my opinion, this is the most anticipated match I've felt since Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez. Hmm, no, definitely, definitely this is, uh, I'm sorry, I just got sidetracked with, with your opinion on the Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez. Are you really that hype for that match? Are you really that hype? You know what it was, man? It was New York, it was the Garden, it was yeah. Eddie Alvarez, it was Conor, and you know what? I'm, I'm an Eddie Alvarez friend. He's a Jersey boy, and you know, when it comes to the East Coast, sometimes we gotta band together a little bit when it comes to our yeah. fighters. So, yeah. you know, I do I think he had a, a better chance than the outcome? Yeah, I thought he had a better chance, but <laughs> I didn't think he was going to get walloped like he did. But still, I was hyped for it. You know, when anything with MSG, it feels good. So that's why I was yeah. so hyped about it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. New York City, the bright lights, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. But this will definitely be 
one of the biggest fight of the years and it has that super mega fight feel like i was actually telling my father today i am actually looking forward to this fight i have not been as this excited for a match in a while you threw out there your most anticipated match i haven't felt like this since let's say richard rampage jackson you know richard evans or even some not not a low class fight but i haven't felt this excited since Mike Swick versus Dan Hardy. You Ooh, get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's those are gems right there. You know what I'm saying? So, but it definitely is a big fight feel. Do I? It's it's gonna be an amazing fight because you know Bisping, you know the Brit, he talks smack, so he's already heated into it. I mean Bisping, I mean GSP, excuse me. You know he's a little bit into it, worked up that he wants to prove himself. So I definitely agree it's gonna be a big fight feel. How do you how do you think it's gonna play out? You know what I uh, as I said before I, I do think it's gonna be in um, in Bisbee's favor. I think like I said he thinks he's gonna be a stronger fighter coming in, into this. But I am I very much am looking forward to see what GSP has to bring to the table with his new weight class, what he's mm. able to do, what he's been training for. It seems like he's been focused to incorporate different martial arts into his game. So maybe we'll see something different right about now. And not even that. When I look at two seventeen as a whole. The whole car is stacked. You're yeah. looking at Gambrit Dillashaw. You're looking at um, Thompson and Masvidal. You're looking at, and I'm going to mess up both of their names. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Zajancic. Not my Dude. Dude, I, I, I love the effort. Yes. I love it. I love it. I give you an effort. Please, bro. please correct I, me. <laughs> hey, I am not no expert. These names are kind of wild to say, but um, Joanna Jojencek and Rose Namajunas. Yes. So much better than I did. <laughs> I, I, hey, bro, but you, you, you bellowed it from the depths of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I give you that, but real quick, my fault to cut you off. In this Bisping and GSP fight, who do you feel has the most to lose coming into this fight, like, on their legacy? Um, you know, I do think, if anything, GSP has more to lose because of the mm-hmm. fact that if he loses his fight, coming out of it, where do you go? Do you go back down to welterweight mm-hmm. and fight a fresh division full of new challengers? You're not really looking mm-hmm. at your Carl's Condens anymore. You're looking at your um, Tyron mm-hmm. Woodley's now. You're looking at a yeah. more savage division of younger fighters coming into the fold. Um, do you stay in middleweight? Which there are some interesting fights here, but once again, these are fights you don't really want to be against. So yeah, people like um Yoel Romero, which would be a great fight. Yoel mm. and GSP would be a dominating fight. I would love to see mm. that fight. Um, him and Vitor. I think Vitor demolished him honestly. You yeah, know, definitely. there's it's it's a bad look either way for GSP. But if he wants to test himself, this is what he has to put himself through. For Michael, I don't really see it because you know what, Michael has been to the top already. You know, he's beat his Anderson Silvas. He's uh, won the title. He's a fan of the title. He's a man who's, at this point, if he loses, it won't hurt him. If anything, it makes his career last longer because he went toe-to-toe making history. I get I get what you're saying, but I feel like... I'm not saying that Bisping has the most to lose because I feel like I agree with you. GSP definitely has the most to lose. But I feel like maybe, you know, Bisping has that... The, the, the country riding on him you get he's like the face of england you get what i'm saying because i feel like if he was to lose i mean not that it would die but hey our face in the ufc lost you know where does mma in england go you get what i'm saying 
Um, you know, it, that's a tough question right about now because I think the the days of the strong style MMA artists from England are have passed us a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. looking at our, our fighters like Ross Pearson, looking at our fighters mm-hmm. like Brad Pickett, um, and a slew of Dan Hardy, and a slew of fighters that came in from, you know, Great Britain, from Europe all in general, from that UK crowd, have been mm-hmm. diminishing lately. So, True. yeah, it's... Uh, he is one of the last lions when it comes to that great era of British fighters. But, but I, I will stress this. Um, I do think Michael has left a brilliant legacy behind where no fighter really can really touch. The only person that could really kind of touch if his career went a different path would have been Diego Sanchez. Since they kind of were breaking out the same time. Um, their careers kind of went different where Michael kind of rejuvenated his career while Diego has went back and forth with his career. He's never really reached the pinnacle of success as Michael did. But I do feel that Michael, if he were to lose his fight, if anything, it would be a great send-off in England for him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think, like, he's the last of, you know, the brave heart, totally different countries. You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, like, the, <laughs> the last of that, you know, the bloodline legacy of the Brit fighters holding on in the UFC. So that's why I feel like they both kind of have, you know, a lot to lose. I just feel like that pride for the Brit fighters would die with Bisping if he loses. But do you agree with me if I say if he was to lose to GSP? In, a, you know, a, a credible loss, do you think he gets immediate rematch or no? If he wants it. Um, if it's a credible loss, I do think they'll give it to him automatically. Um, just because you'll have that, that British audience craving for it after the match. And it's, especially if he talks shit. But I... At this point in the game, I see Michael not looking for a way out. I just see him looking for that proper send-off. And if his pro- I, I even see him, if he beats GSP, he might even say he retires. Because what fight are you going to get bigger than that right now at your career? Yeah, that's true. I agree with you. I see him, like you said, I see him transitioning into that broadcaster role, which Definitely. he's great at. Definitely. I, I actually see him doing that. And that 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 does sound like what he might do if he actually beats GSP. It's like, okay, I'd be one of the best welterweight. Where do I go from here? So, you know, he could just transition into the broadcaster role like he's been doing. Exactly. Imagine you get uh, all the UK or the European shows would be Dan Hardy and Michael Bisping announcing. Mm-hmm. That sounds true. That sounds like money in my opinion. I'm yeah. going to give pose you this question, though, for the opposite mm-hmm. side of the spectrum. GSP, right. do you feel that he has more success if he loses or wins in either division? More success, loses or win. Uh, well, I feel like... Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I feel like if he loses, he, he, I don't want to say if he loses, he would have more success, but it's like if he loses, it's like, hey, you know, he would get that respect. You get what I'm saying? Like a Chuck Liddell, just, you know, you right. did everything that you did. You you are possibly one of the best welterweight. Just don't tarn. He he, he and nobody would lose the image of the beloved GSP. You get what I'm saying? If of he course. Was to get a few losses, so I think a loss would actually help him. Like because you know they would get that little sympathy roll. Like hey, you know it's time for you to retire, bro. Don't tarnish your legacy. You get what I'm saying? A win would actually, in my opinion, kind of hurt him because we don't know how he's gonna look. And then if he has another fight, we don't know how he's gonna look because he just if he looks bad, you just don't want him to continue fighting. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. If anything, um, I'd be scared for him to win this fight and then have to fight the upper echelons of the middleweight division. Mm-hmm. Looking at your Jacare's, I think Jacare would tear him apart. Looking at it, Yoel. Um, maybe even um, Luke Rockwell. 
That that's what I was gonna tell you. It could. Do you agree with me that he's actually like left behind in the times in the sense that he is a smaller fighter now compared to the bigger, younger, hungrier fighters? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, because I look at him matching up against a Jacare. Jacare looks like a monster next to him. Romero, look at Woodley. Woodley, I I really didn't have appreciation for Woodley, but he has changed my perception on him. Woodley's a beast. I think he would just go in there manhandle gsp you know i mean he has the wrestling don't get me wrong i'm not taking away nothing from gsp but i just think the fighters nowadays are more hungrier and way bigger than gsp definitely definitely and at a time too gsp was dominating people where the sport was still evolving you had mm-hmm. people who were masters of strikers but had no ground game you had people who were masters of jiu-jitsu but no stand-up game so gsp knew how to capitalize whereas this now you're looking at a jorge mazaville who was great boxing and strike force but has really come into his own as a mixed martial arts, ground and top game. Looking at even Steven Thompson, who's a great, great, great fighter as well, too. Master at jiu-jitsu, but his striking has been phenomenal as well, too. So you're looking at different characteristics. Even the smaller welterweights have a more developed game than what GSP had to fight before. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I can't get this fight out of my head. I'm sorry. Um, What do you think if they were to make like a super fight between Chris Wyman and GSP? What do you think about that? You know... I, I'm not sure if I was ever on the the Chris Wyman bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I, I I saw a lot of his fights were fluke victories. I mean, there was a f- couple credible fights, you know. The really? Machito, the, the machine. Okay, come on. The two Anderson Silva <laughs> fights were just like the dude tripped over himself. <laughs> that was like one of the UFC glitches in the game, and then it, they declare Chris the winner. He has some credible <laughs> fights, definitely. I will not take that again, uh, away from him. But I do feel like since he's lost the title, that steam is not there anymore, man. Mm. That, that, that hunger is not there anymore. I don't actually see him uh, as hung- hungry as he was when he was first uh, making his way for the title. I don't know. I could be wrong. I definitely even think that's a fight that GSP could win. You think so? I think I, so. I just asked you because I look at... Um... Chris Wyman, and I feel like he's not saying that he does remind me of 100%, but I see, I feel like he's like a kind of like a GSP fighter, you know, that he relied a lot on his wrestling coming up. Remember, that's how GSP started on his wrestling and his ground game. Then, you know, he started evolving and striking. I just, I feel like Wyman should get like a camp change, honestly. I think he needs a new scenery, and I think a new camp would actually help him out, because, you know, I've been on the bandwagon for the, from day one, and yeah, he has a lot of fluke that, victories. That's your Matt Serra boy, that's why. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's had a lot of, like, two fluke victories, but I just feel like, you know, in a way I see him like a younger GSP that needs to evolve. That's why I asked you about that. I'll take, it, I'll take this one even further. If this dude was still in the UFC, if he mm. was still employed, and he didn't tarnish his career the way he did mm-hmm. in the UFC, I think this fight would have been ten times better than Wyman. Imagine mm. Chael Sonnen was still with the UFC and seeing <laughs> Chael Sonnen take down GSP over and over again. How would you feel about that? Oh, man, that actually would be money because Chael Sonnen is just on a whole nother, like, <laughs> shit-talking level and a whole nother wrestling level because, you know, he came in there and he wrestled the hell out of Yushin Okami, which yes. Okami is way bigger than the dude. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. So, like, I think he would just go in there and just he'll be just 
double legs all day, <laughs> ground and pound, that dirty, gritty fight. I would actually love to see that. That 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 sounds real good, actually. Better uh, than the Wyman. I agree with you. 100%. <laughs> Will we see that? Never. But... Never, never. Maybe if GSP goes to Bellator, you know, Bellator you would know. definitely snatch him up. Hey, of course know, he man. would. Of course. In this day and age, you never do know out here. <laughs> definitely. Which, uh, which not knowing and being in the unknown and being in the unclear zone right about now, that brings me to our, our last segment. Which is the John Jones controversy right about now. Mm-hmm. Lord almighty, will this man ever stay away from controversy, bro? I believe this man will not stay from controversy. And that's why I hope the news that I read and the news that we spoke about, they do not lift the suspension. I, I'm sorry. People are going to say, oh, you're a hater. You sound you're hating on him. But no, this guy is bad for the organization and the sport. I'm sorry. What do you think? No, I totally agree with you. And for all the hate that people might say to you, I'm one of John Jones' biggest supporters of all time. I love the dude. But you're fucking up your own career and you're fucking up your own life right about now, okay? Number one, number one, bro, you a black dude married to a white girl. You got the key to the kingdom, number one. And you're going around (laughs) fucking spraying your seed everywhere. So your meal ticket is gone right about now with that shit now happening. Two, over yeah. all the drugs, all the steroids, mm-hmm. all the, the, the lies, the deception, the avoiding drugs, the hit and runs, everything that you're doing right now, like some fucking delinquent, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, it's all good and fun to, you know, ha- you know, go out there, have a good time, not really know what you're doing with because, you know, you're still young, you're still trying to get your foot in the world, trying to figure yourself out. But number, this is the biggest thing. You are a role model to a million minorities out there. People who come from New York City, who come from the upper states of New York to say, you know what, I'll never really be that person because of my skin complexion. And they should look at John Jones and say, you know what, I made it at a young age. What do you do? You don't advocate for that. You advocate for the bad boy persona, which yeah. kills me because you should be a fucking professional by now. No, I agree with you 100% because I feel like any athlete in the limelight, any athlete, don't, I don't care what sport, you need to be a role model because you are a tool for these up-and-coming kids. You get what I'm saying? In any sport, I feel like you should be a role model. And John Jones had that opportunity to be one of the biggest role models, like you said, coming from New York City, coming from skin color and stuff like that, minorities. I just feel like, for actually once I agree with Dana White, I feel like he just wasn't able to handle the pressure. It just came to him too fast. We have seen that in the past in music, anything that when it comes to them too early, they just don't know how to handle the pressure. Like, that's how I feel. And I feel so strongly about it because I I still remember profoundly of us watching um, the previews for Shogun versus um, Jones in the Prudential Center and hearing the stories of John Jones freaking catching criminals in Newark um mm-hmm. and saving people from being robbed and all this nonsense and being the hero being the hero that that a young black man a young spanish man can look up to and be like yo that dude right there is 23 years old right about now i can do what he's doing right about now if i just push myself a little bit if i have the right mentor by my side and the right attitude i can get to the pinnacle of success what do you do five years down the line you're fucking in duis you're having coke splurges. You're having steroids. You're having misguided opportunities outside the UFC and inside the UFC. You're causing controversy for the sport, for the UFC brand in general. And you're making a mockery out of a sport that I truly love. I love you, John Jones. I do think you could get your shit together if you really thought about it. But at the moment in time right now, bro, 
the moment in time, you are bad business for MMA in general. Not just the UFC, but MMA in general. I'm sorry, I had to get that out of my system. You sounded like Cormier. John Jones, get this shit together, John Jones. <laughs> That's another motherfucker, but I'll get it to another yeah. time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm sorry. I see John Jones being bad for the sport in general, like you said, because it's a sport we love. It's a sport that we have been watching for years. It's a sport that we bonded over. It's a sport that you know brought us way closer and. It's a sport that also has founding fathers. You're disrespecting these founding fathers just by going around, throwing your name, doing what you're doing. You know, you think you can get away with this, but you actually disrespect the viewers, the audience, and you disrespect yourself and those founding fathers and the organization in general. You know, I just feel like he's bad for the sport, bad for the organization. That's why, like I said, I'm not a hater. If the guy would have stood straight, did his thing, you know, he... We can actually start, you know, him and Mighty Mouse would have been in the conversation of who would have been the best pound-for-pound fighter right now. That's what I'm saying. Do not lift the suspension. Make an example out of him. It it sounds a little bit um, harsh, but right now, the the trend is just too frequent. A lot of people are getting caught with, you know, performance enhancement drugs. So let's make an example out of this with John Jones. Like, hey, we're trying to clean up the sport we're going to be strict and we're going to be hard and we're not lifting the suspension, you know? Four years? I mean, it may sound a little rough, but hey, didn't they almost get five? So... Exactly. I mean, I think four is good, and but they're saying, excuse me, they're saying that if they can prove all the way back from, I think it was July 6th, that if he can retrace every substance that he's taken, they'll lift the ban. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. What do you think? You know... What pisses me off, too, is you're looking at a person who legitimately is taking drugs, who's taking performance enhancements, but also just pure drugs, cocaine, uh, Mm -hmm. crack. He's just having way too much fun with the limelight of being the bad boy. But then you have someone who legitimately doesn't give a fuck about this type of drug. In my opinion, it's not a drug. Who's just smoking a little bit of marijuana and Nick Diaz, and his suspension is still intact right about now. He hasn't had his suspension lifted. He was almost suspended for about five or six years as well, too, just for smoking a little bit of herb. You know what? There's a lot of people in the UFC that were just suspended for smoking a little bit of herb. Herb does not give you any kind of fucking performance enhancements. Does it make you feel a lot better after a fight? Possibly before a fight, maybe. But if you're smoking during the fight looking like fucking Cheech and Chan, I definitely understand. But none of these fucking people are doing that. They're just having a good old time outside the fight zone. Whereas you have this fucking renegade driving like his crazy taxi, going around, having the time of his life, like his fucking, um, what's that movie with Patrick Swayze? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know, know what you're talking about. It's yeah. just a parallel right there of seeing someone who legitimately likes fighting, loves the sport, but just smokes a little bit of marijuana and gets fucked in the <laughs> ass, where you have this fucker who's just... Going to town like Scarface, (laughs) and just getting a slap on the wrist. I don't get it. No, definitely, definitely. I agree with you. Like, the only reason why I feel like uh, Nick has that big suspension, I feel that he brought like this whole bad boy aura to the sport. You get what I'm saying? So, I think he had that harsh suspension just based on who he is as a whole, where he came from, you know, because he has that. 
Cali, you know, coming from Stockton, that that nah. that little. <laughs> I'm gonna cut you off, bro, because I don't think Nick is as hard as people say. The dude wears spandex and does fucking triathlons just around the beach with little speedo hey. helmets, just chilling the fuck out. Like I don't see nobody <laughs> stepping up to Nick Diaz while he's riding his bike, chilling out with a speedo on. Nah, bro. If, if that doesn't make you hard, man, I don't know what makes you hard, bro. If you up and down Venice boardwalk and some speedos and some jockeys with your cap, that don't make you hard. Swimming all the way from Alcatraz and back, bro, if that don't make you hard, I don't know what makes you hard, man. Like, and yeah, sorry. he does bring that bad boy persona, but at the end of the day, I've seen Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz be more of the ambassador of the sport, even though they have that bad boy persona. They use that bad boy persona to bring money into the UFC, not taking money out of the UFC. Oh, no. I agree with you. And they haven't been as bad, bad boys as, you know, freaking John Jones. Because, you know, he's actually doing some some harsh drugs. You don't want none of this. Do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> the life ruining drug. But, you know, I just feel like it was more because of the bad boy. Because you remember a while back, a few years back, in Strike Force when that whole brawl happened. That they all jumped in the ring. You get what yeah, I'm saying? definitely. So, I feel it's just a bit of his bad boy persona. But... The thing with John Jones is, I feel like they're trying to find any excuse to lift the suspension because he puts asses in the seats. That's all I feel. And you know UFC is a money game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As we close out this um, this podcast today, do you have any, um, any um, I guess, positivity coming out of the, of the next few months to close out 2017? Is there anything that you're looking forward to besides UFC 217 right now that makes you feel like, you know what, even though shit's a little rocky right about now with certain things – this seems pretty positive. Uh, honestly, like, I don't know. You put me, like, on a stump right now. I got to have to sit here and think about it real good because as of right now, like, there's a lot of bad news and stuff like that. I don't mean to be the Debbie Downer, but a lot of stuff is going on. So I really haven't seen that ray of hope, you know, honestly. I thought I saw a ray of hope. I'm, I'm getting – I don't want to bring the politics in, but, you know, like, I see – a little bit of union with the whole, you know, NFL, the kneeling and stuff like that. I see people coming together, right. which is always a positive, you know, when right. everybody stands together, no matter what the race. So maybe it could flip the table and that's the positive that I see coming out, you know, because I've never really seen that big banding together, you know, of people standing together, no matter race, ethnicity, anything, you know, color, whatever. So, yeah. Not feel you. I think the positive in my mind is... To be honest with you, I think Tony Ferguson winning that interim title is the best thing that that division could do right, deal with right about now. I think he's the best person on the microphone that can talk his way into a fight with Conor McGregor, even though there's a controversy where does Conor want to fight him? Does he want to have the Nate Diaz trilogy? Does he want to fight somebody else? Does he not see Tony as a credible threat to his title? The thing that's great about Tony Ferguson is that he has a motherfucking mouth. And he's not afraid to use it to talk himself into this fight. And you know what? Out of all the fights Connor's had, Mayweather included, no one has ever talked shit to Connor. And I think that's the positive limelight that Tony could bring. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. To, Tony, I mean, this this sounds kind of vicious right now. I, to, he has a mouth on him, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like he even after the fight, he called McGregor. McNugget, you get what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> who, the, who the fuck is gonna call 
a next person to McNugget. You get what I'm saying? I see yep. it, you know, McGregor, McNugget. He he actually sold the match right there. It escalated real quick. I know wherever McGregor was at, that got him hyped. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. Also, like, tossing a water I, bottle in his house. I, yeah, to- <laughs> getting fired up and tossing water bottles, you know. With- actually, you know, no, tossing his little whiskey bottles. So I think he made a whiskey brand after that. Oh, uh, I need that. Fight. I need oh, that yeah. so much. <laughs> the fuck <food> juice. Like- <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, that that is one of the positive coming out right now, out of twenty seventeen in MMA wise. But um, that match has sold its money. I actually want to see it. But I would would it happen? I I don't see it happening right now. I feel like Tony is gonna get the Diaz fight before Diaz gets to fight McGregor because I feel like after this whole Mayweather fight, I feel like McGregor is just gonna you know chill right now because even he said it. He was like after this. I might not fight in the UFC because, you know, he made that bank in one night. You get what I'm saying? Yep. And with um, him seeing the tragedy that happened to, I believe it was his sparring partner that died in the ring, I think he also doesn't want to put himself in that, you know, predicament. But, I mean, it definitely needs to happen uh, if it's either Nate and McGregor or Tony and McGregor. You know, it definitely has to happen. And that's like probably one of the brightest fights coming up right now. I agree with you 100% on that one. Definitely, definitely. And then for one tragedy to another right about now, it's going to be a travesty right now that we have to end this podcast. But Mm -hmm. Dunbar, where can they reach you at? (laughs) Dunbar. (laughs) Well, Santiago, they can reach me at the stoop of my podcast. That's my podcast series where I talk about sports over there. My tag name is Jay Rance. You can look me up. And that's where you can reach me at. All right. And always, um, you can reach me, uh, Val, Val Cisco at the Side Room Podcast with my boy um, BX Lou, International Lou, my boy K-Dog. We're always trying to throw new content on the Side on the side Room Podcast. You can reach me at the Sidecast, as you're doing right about now, on iTunes. You can reach the Side Room Podcast on iTunes as well, too, on the Twitter, on the Facebook on the Instagram, usually everywhere right about now besides YouTube, and we're making strides with that one. Actually, and this might be something cool for Jay over here, uh, we just announced that we're doing a little thing on Xbox Live called Mixer, where we're actually rate and reviewing new games, and we're actually trying to bring people to play multiplayer games while doing this as well, too. And so that might be something you might be excited for. Oh, I'm definitely, uh, that That sounds like money to me. You know, I like the video games as well, so I'm definitely down for the multiplayer experience to review, because you know me, I've been a gamer head, so I'm, I'm, you could definitely count me in on that, but speaking about all the, the, the outlets and the links, I'm slacking, bro. You're like international social media worldwide. I got to get everything <laughs> up and running, man. You on well, a whole man, other level, bro. <laughs> if I succeed, you succeed. That's how we all should uh, roll, man. I appreciate it, bro. I love it. I love it. Like, Do you have um, any words yeah. before we um, head out? Any last words? Any last words? It's been a pleasure. I love doing this. Like I said, it's the movement. Look up the sidecast, the side room podcast, Jay Rance, the stoop. Give us feedback. You know, be harsh. If I suck, if he sucks, anything, the oh, yes. feedback makes us better. And look out for the next one. That next one, I was actually going to tell you, I'm going to let you know right here, live recording. I wanted to do a prediction for the. Bisping and GSP fight the night before, probably two days before, you know, give a little prediction. How do you think about that? Let's do it. Weigh-ins day is going to be our prediction day. All right. So we ain't weighing there. So let's do it. We ain't so, there like swimwear, people. Yeah, so the next one. Till the next one. Later, bro. Later, bro.